Siblings. I'm your host, Araceli, and this is my co-host, Armando. Hi, guys. I'm Armando, and welcome to Wrestling with Siblings. All right, let's get started with Raw at Pis- uh, Pittsburgh. This is the Raw right after Fastlane. That means we are officially, I believe, three or four weeks away from WrestleMania, the grandest stage of them all. All right, The Shield opens up the show, and the reason why they open up the show is because they are going to give a, their farewell speech. And at this point, it really makes you question what the status of what Dean Ambrose's status in the company is. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumors that Debbie, uh, about Dean Ambrose leaving WWE. And if they are true, I'm pretty sure he's leaving to go do some personal stuff, take some time off, maybe you know go on his honeymoon, which I'm pretty sure he didn't have. And I mean, and even that came back from an injury, he just needs needs some time. Yeah, maybe he wasn't properly healed and ready to come back. Maybe he just came back because he felt physically okay and he really isn't. You know, you just never know. But he could also change his mind just because Roman Reigns is back. And like I said before, and and I've been stating that Roman Reigns is the heart of the shield. Is what brings the shield back together. So that might change his perspective. We don't know yet where he stands. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks leading into WrestleMania what his status is in the company. And not only that, but all of the Shield members are pretty much doing their own thing. You know, Seth Rollins is going to be facing the Beast at WrestleMania. As of right now, Roman Reigns doesn't have a match. And I don't know as well as about Dean Ambrose, but I'm pretty sure they they probably will. We'll get into what my prediction for that match is. Armando already knows because I told him, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Anyways, Roman comes out and he starts saying that if last night, meaning at Fastlane, was the really the last time, if it was a farewell match for the Shield, he's taking it. And he is very glad with the outcome of that match. And he said Dean Ambrose has some problems he's got to take care of. And Seth Rollins has some problems he's got to take care of. But unlike Dean Ambrose, which is unclear... With Seth Rollins, he starts mentioning that he has to go up into WrestleMania to face the Beast. And he said, go over there and slay the Beast. Definitely, Seth Rollins has his work cut out for WrestleMania. Yes, and you know, Seth has been out there chasing the dream, and that's exactly what he's going to do at WrestleMania, where he brings the Universal Championship back home, where it belongs on Raw week after week after week. And then at this Mm -hmm. point, you know, they do, for the last time, they do the fist thing, and then... The shield leaves, and then Seth is left in the ring by himself. And that's when he starts to say, you know, I'm bringing the championship back. And Paul Heyman decides to interrupt him. And it's always interesting when Paul Heyman interrupts because you never know what he's going to say. He always gives out the spoilers, and in this case, the spoiler is there's no way Seth Rollins is beating the Beast at WrestleMania. All I got to say is Seth Rollins has his work cut out. And he's going to struggle to beat the Beast. I mean, the Beast is very, very difficult opponent to beat. And we've seen it throughout the years. And, well, Seth brings out a very valid point. Because he's, like, he's not ready for me. For a competitor like me. He wasn't ready for AJ Styles. That he wasn't ready for Daniel Bryan. And that he definitely was not ready for somebody like Finn Balor. And he's like, that gives me an advantage because... Brock Lesnar doesn't do well with guys my size, with guys with that have my same style. And he brings up a very valid point. And that is true because we did see him struggle against Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and you could throw Daniel Bryan there the match that they had. And that's when 
Paul Heyman starts to bring in, and he brings out another valid point. He's like, well, all those times you have to keep in mind that Brock Lesnar had a different opponent. So the first time, I believe it was supposed to be Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal. And then AJ Styles won the championship, and then that became the match. And then I believe the second time, it was he was supposed to be ready for AJ Styles for the second time. And then Daniel Bryan won the championship. And then he was supposed to be ready for Braun Strowman. And then Finn Balor, you know, replaced him. So that's the excuse that Paul Heyman used where he prepared for these opponents. And at the end of the day, he ended up not facing those opponents. I agree with what Paul Heyman has to say. But at the end of the day, the Beast was able to capitalize and get the win. And at the end, that's what matters. Yes. Even though with, with these opponents, I mean, and we saw how impressive he was his last match against Finn Balor. When Finn Balor did the Coup de Gras, I thought it was done and the quickness of Brock Lesnar and it, to be able to counter it and do his submission move on him. It's pretty impressive. That's what the Beast is capable of. Exactly, and that is exactly what Paul Heyman was trying to prove. And he also says he is preparing for Seth Rollins and he knows that's his opponent, so therefore he is going to cause you physical punishment at WrestleMania. So keep in mind, if Brock Lesnar is preparing for his opponent and he knows who his opponent is, it makes him even more dangerous exactly. than what he already is. Exactly. So Seth Rollins has to do his homework. But throughout this entire altercation, Shelton Benjamin comes out of nowhere and starts attacking Seth Rollins. What's up with, with that? I mean, now they're starting to get into, WWE starting to get into a habit of bringing superstars from another brand, super random, into, into Raw or SmackDown. I mean, we've been seeing it. We saw it with Tamina. She was originally in SmackDown. She got injured, and now she's on Raw. Exactly. We saw it with... Matt Hardy. With Matt Hardy. He was out for a while, and now he came back to SmackDown. With Jeff. Yeah. And now, and we also saw it with Kevin Owens. Kevin yeah. Owens was part of the Raw roster, and he came back to SmackDown. Exactly, which makes no sense, because technically, Shane is still in charge of SmackDown and leading to that entire storyline, it just makes no sense. And now Shelton Benjamin, who moved suddenly from SmackDown into Raw with no explanation. It, it makes sense when you look at it wrestling-wise because he was there for Brock Lesnar during the Minnesota times and, like, all that stuff. That makes sense, you know? They kind of went to school together. They came up into wrestling together. But still, it's like he's part of a completely different brand. Yeah, it looks like the uh, superstar shakeup is already starting early. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is, and maybe it's a little teaser as to what we can expect from the superstar shakeup. And so they start, you know, fighting outside of the ring. So they go to commercial, they come back, and we get to see Shelton Benjamin versus Seth Rollins. And this was a very interesting match simply because they had similar wrestling styles, but you still got to see Seth Rollins, even though he was taken by surprise. Still very focused. He knew exactly what his objective was, and he was trying to prove to Paul Heyman that it doesn't matter how prepared the Beast is. He is going to be ten times more prepared. Definitely a good opponent to face as a warm-up to go on to face Brock Lesnar. But, you know, I also feel like Shelton Benjamin made a huge mistake because he kept giving Seth Rollins time to recuperate. He was slow in this match. And that's something Seth capitalizes on. If he sees the opportunity, he's going to be like, that's my opportunity, and I will capitalize on that. And he did. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree with you that that was definitely Shelton Benjamin's biggest mistake. When you have an opponent like Seth Rollins, you have to keep 
on attacking nonstop till you pretty much put him away. And we know it's pretty difficult to put Seth Rollins away. Exactly. And his speed and quickness was able to help him capitalize and get the win over Shelton Benjamin. Therefore, that proves a point. It doesn't matter how prepared Brock is. Seth is going to be 100 times more prepared, and that is very dangerous. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Moving on to the very next match of the night, which was Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley. There was no sign of Leo Rush, and this match was for the Intercontinental Championship. The reason why Leo Rush was not ringside was because he got bulldozed, I believe it was last week or the week before that, by Braun Strowman, where he just got, bam, just completely taken out through the barricade. Yeah, and there was no sign of him, so I didn't expect him to be in this match. Exactly. But Bobby Lashley, ever since he lost the Intercontinental Championship, he has been a lot more aggressive. There has been a completely new attitude to him. I think, unlike other superstars who lose their titles, for Bobby Lashley, it has actually benefited him because he has gotten so much better each and every single week, and he's more hungrier than what he was. And he's more comfortable with himself. And not only that, but he knows how to stay on his opponent. And he did that perfectly fine with Finn Balor, and that's how he was able to pick up a win. Unlike Shelton Benjamin, he stayed on his opponent throughout the, pretty much the entire match and was trying, was pretty much capitalizing on all the opportunities, like you said. And he dominated 90% of this match. He was not giving Finn Balor any single opportunity, and that is crucial in this match because somebody like Finn Balor can turn the match around super, super quickly. All he needs is one opening and one opportunity. This is the Bobby Lashley we all want to see. Exactly, and I feel like Leo Rush did a fantastic job taking him to this point. Speaking of Leo Rush, all you hear is like ding, 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 ding. You hear the do- the doorbell, I was going to say. You hear the ring bell just go off, and then everybody's just like, what? what is going on? And that's when you start to see Leo Rush, and obviously the distraction by Leo Rush is what made Bobby Lashley capitalize very last minute on... Finn Balor from hitting the Kuro Gras, and he was able to win the Intercontinental Championship. Keep in mind, Leo Rush lost, was pinned, and obviously became, Finn Balor became champion. But like we said before, if he took Bobby Lashley to the championship once, he could do it again, and sure enough, he proved it again by causing that distraction. Brilliant, brilliant strategy by Leo Rush. And who knows, maybe this was part of his plan the entire time. Maybe I will lose the Intercontinental Championship just to make Bobby Lashley better, to motivate him to want to be better. And maybe that was part of his plan. You never know. Leo Rush is a smart, smart man. Yeah, now the question is, will we see the rematch at WrestleMania uh, for Finn Balor? Maybe, maybe not. I could see Bobby Lashley at some point going up against Leo Rush, even though I feel like Leo would be at the biggest disadvantage simply because of his size Athletically, though, I feel like he can compete with Bobby. I just feel like power-wise, he's done. If, if he was going to face Leo Rush, this WrestleMania would have been perfect just because of the way Bobby Lashley lost. He didn't get paid for the uh, feud and go out at Mania. Exactly, but we'll see what happens leading up to WrestleMania. All right, moving on to the Raw Women's Champion. Ronda Rousey. So she comes out and she goes off. She has had it with the WWE Universe. And the first point she makes is that she is going to embarrass and humiliate Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Let me say, Ronda Rousey is a total badass in general. And her being heel now, which I think they should have done it after Mania, 
but I mean it's perfect, it's brilliant. I I love this new Ronda being here. It's, it's it's really sorry expressing herself how she really is. It's fresh. It's something new, and this is the Ronda from the UFC that everybody wanted to see because Ronda can now bring out her personality that she used to be and who she was as Ronda Rousey from UFC. She can now embrace that here because when she was faced, it was just like okay, she has to she has to hold back, and you were able to realize that when you would see her cut a promo, and now it's like no holds barred. She is going for everything. Yeah, so excited for Ronda, what she has to bring now. And she also wanted to make it extremely clear that it doesn't matter that Charlotte and Becky are both in this match. She is walking out of WrestleMania, the Raw Women's Champion. This is what makes Ronda more dangerous going into WrestleMania, is because now she is even more confident than what she was before. And now she's trying to prove a point, and she's more aggressive, and she's letting her mean side completely out. Yes, she is going to go ham at wrestlemania you can guarantee that she is pissed off at charlotte she is mad at becky lynch we saw that she helped out becky into getting into the fastlane match so you can definitely feel like she's going to go in more aggressive into this match than she was already planning to yeah and if she wants to be the baddest woman in the wwe she has to go through becky lynch and she has to go through the queen charlotte flair definitely agree with you on that one and then Something unexpected happened. The reason why it was unexpected is because out of all people, Dana Brooke comes out and she starts defending the WWE Universe. She's like, I have nothing left to lose. Like, enough is enough. She has worked her ass off to get to the point where she is today and she doesn't complain. She doesn't make any excuses, but that she is not going to let somebody like Ronda Rousey offend the WWE Universe, offend the WWE, and offend the woman of the WWE locker room. I understand what Dana Brooke is, is trying to say, but if I were Dana, I, even though I still wouldn't <laughs> mess with Ronda Rousey. Well, she says she has worked extremely hard to gain her, to earn respect in this business, you know, to earn her spot. And that's something that you know, is not just given to somebody. And that's what she was trying to show to Ronda Rousey. And she goes up to her, you know, she goes up onto her face and she paid the price for it. You know, Ronda put her in. The arm bar and that's it. It was over, you know. They had to get somebody out to come help Dana because it was just ridiculous at this point. Big mistake. I would have just said it from a distance and not got inside the ring. Yeah, he com- she completely <laughs> took her out. This Ronda Rousey is ten times more dangerous than the old Ronda Rousey you saw face Nikki Bella. This one is a lot more dangerous. So Charlotte, Becky, prepare yourselves because you're going to have a hell of a match and a hell of an opponent at WrestleMania. And I suggest they team up together to try to take out Ronda first, making it a singles match. But that's my personal opinion. All right, moving on to Alistair Black and Ricochet versus Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. This match was incredible. I mean, now, talking about the Raw tag teams, you got to give them a lot of credit because they've definitely stepped up their game. And I feel like having Ricochet and Alistair in Raw is going to help them a lot more. Yeah, but not only that, but these NXT call-ups have raised the level of the tag team division. It's making Raw pretty much step up their game because they know if they don't step up, guys like Alistair and Ricochet and Heavy heavy Machinery are pretty much going to take their spots. And speaking of stepping up, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable proved 
that they did their homework on Alistair and Ricochet. They were able to keep them down the majority of the match. They dominated 90% of this match, which is something we haven't seen ever since Ricochet and Alistair Black got called up. We have not seen that. And in this occasion, they were kind of seen like, okay, we have to pull out new strings to be able to beat somebody like Bobby and Chad Gable. Yeah, they knew that by cutting down their speed, you know, cutting the ring in half, that they were going to have a huge advantage on winning the match. Exactly. But, you know, Black and Ricochet still coming out victorious in this match. It was a very short match. The majority of all the matches on Raw were actually pretty short, but they were good. They delivered and they definitely showed the story, which is what you want. All right, moving on to my favorite part of the show, which was a moment of bliss. Finally, she has a show where she does not get interrupted for the very first time. It's history. And she says, hey, everybody wants a scoop. Everybody's bothering me about the scoop. I got scoop for you guys. I am going to let you guys know and announce who is hosting WrestleMania 35. And you will not believe who is re- who is hosting WrestleMania 35. I couldn't guess who it was, but it turned it turned out to be Alexa Bliss. So it's gonna be one hell of a WrestleMania because you already know she's smart. She likes the action, and she's gonna make some amazing matches if she can. Uh, we did get to see at WrestleMania 33 when the New Day hosted. They added the Usos into the match. So, no, they they didn't add the Usos. Sorry, they added the Hardys into the match. Uh, for the tag team championships, so that is going to be very, very interesting to and, see. And we know Alexa can make some great matches, and we saw that when she was in charge of the women's division on Raw. And hey, maybe this <coughs> is what I've been wanting. Maybe they made her the host so that she could go into SmackDown and face you know who, Oscar. Book it. It's the perfect match that yes. I see for Oscar. Yes, definitely. I do see her being a relevant opponent for Asuka. Yeah, you need a high-caliber match. You need somebody who's going to make you want to sit down and watch that SmackDown match. You have it with Raw now. You need to find something for SmackDown. Definitely SmackDown needs a match with the quality that Raw is going to have. Exactly. But anyways, moving on to Elias. Elias, Elias, always upset. You know what? I was actually surprised what he was going to say about his hometown. And he always talks trash. And especially now that he was in his hometown and, like, that's what he said, that it's a miracle that he is even a success, that usually if you're from Pittsburgh, it's a waste of life, pretty much saying they're nobodies, they do nothing. And he said he's the only miracle that came out of Pittsburgh. (laughs) You have to agree with them at some point. I mean, if, if he did come out and was successful, but... I mean... But you have to have some guts to go out to your hometown yeah. and talk the trash that you talk. I would not be able to do that. Me neither. I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to do that, especially about my hometown, which would be the, which is the place that I, I grew up in. And exactly, you know, when it's a different city, it's different because it's like, ah, oh, who cares, right? But this is your hometown, and he got heat. He got booed, which is always the objective, you know. If you get booed, you're doing your job. So he's doing something right. And no way Jose decides to interrupt, and he paid for it. Because Elias is done getting interrupted. Yeah, I mean, and he had to take out his anger on someone, and unfortunately it was no way Jose. And I feel super bad for Elias, because they always interrupt him. You can see him go up to Mike Rowan, give me a microphone, give me a microphone, and they just cut him off, and they went on to the next match. 
They didn't even let him continue talking. That's just sad. Somebody give Elias some time, please. That man deserves it. If he doesn't get the time in the mic, he should as hell gets the time in the ring. Definitely. It balances out, I suppose. All right, moving on to Nia Jax with Tamina versus Natalia. And she's accompanied by none other than WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. Yeah, after what happened, as we mentioned in Fastlane, Beth Phoenix having a little altercation with Tamina and Nia Jax. You know, she comes out and helps out her, her best friend. And Natty made a great point because she said nobody has her back. And that there's only one person that has her back. In, and that person is none other than Beth Phoenix. Yeah, and we've seen it, and I, I think we've mentioned it before, too, that every time Natty gets attacked, like, nobody comes out and, and helps her out. I don't know why, because Natty has done so much for this business, and she's probably one of the most respected women in the locker room. And she's definitely one of those people where if she sees you're getting attacked, she will go out to your rescue. She is the only woman in the entire roster that if she sees something wrong, she will go for it. You know, if somebody's getting attacked, she's like, I'm coming, don't worry. You know, and we saw that with Beth Phoenix when she was getting attacked. Yeah, and she knows Beth Phoenix is pretty much like a sister to her. Exactly. She has her, her back no matter what. This match was probably less than a minute long, you know, and Beth, and uh, Nia Jax was dominating the majority of this match because, I mean, when you really think about it, yes, Natalia is super good in the ring. She's super athletic. She is one of the patriarchs of the women's division, but you can't put that up against Nia's power. You just can't. She's the powerhouse of the entire women's division on both Raw and SmackDown and potentially even NXT. Yeah, she is, but now that... Natty has Beth Phoenix on her side. Especially, uh, Beth Phoenix is another powerhouse. Exactly. And Beth Phoenix was not going to sit back and see Natty get dominated the way that she was. So what does she do? She gets involved and she stands up literally face-to-face like this with Nia Jax. And she just hit her. And then, you know, the match obviously ended in a no disqualification. But that just goes to show Natty now has backup. She doesn't have to worry about being by herself. So this means we're probably going to see Beth Phoenix... And Natty versus Tamina and Nia Jax, if anything. Yes, so I would be looking forward to that because just like the history that's in both of these teams, Nia and Tamina, you know, they both come from pretty much the same family. And then you have Beth Phoenix and um, Natty with their history. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But also keep in mind, as Nia and Tamina were walking up the the ramp, they were seen in Gorilla, like, backstage, and then Sasha and Bailey start just attacking them. So that just goes to show they're not done with them. They want more of them, and they want to show to them they run the tag team division, not Nia Jackson to me. That too, but I also feel that it has to be that they disrespected two legends we could call, like Natty and Beth Phoenix. Yeah, that that definitely could be a point, especially since we know Sasha and Bailey are those, like, you never disrespect yeah, the Hall of Famers. Yeah. They've said that before. So, yeah, that could potentially be one of the options. And going back on Beth Phoenix, if she does at Mania or whatever she does, it'll be great to see her against Tamina and Nia Jax. Definitely. It'll be a great match. It's a must-see. Definitely. All right, let's go into probably one of the most talked about, I guess, you can't even call it a match because it wasn't a match up until today, but one of the most talked about feuds in the last couple of weeks, I want to say maybe two, three weeks now, Batista shows up 
to confront Triple H. Yeah, and all this, I was, I wanted to see what Batista had to say, since he didn't show up last week. Exactly. Since he said he hated whatever city they were in. Um, it wasn't Pittsburgh, it was some, oh, it was Philadelphia. He said he hated Philly and that he was not going to show up to that city. But, you know, maybe he likes Pittsburgh better. I don't know. But he actually showed up and he shows up with the mob of security. And they, those security guards were there to protect him from Triple H. And when he's seen coming down to the ring, you already see Triple H. And he was ready for a fight. And I will tell you how I know he's ready for a fight. He had his arms wrapped. And he comes out with the leather jacket and jeans. And jeans. So, so you know he was prepared. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and you know that's when he's about to throw hands and he's going to get down to business. 100%. That's when he stops being the CEO and becomes the game. Yes, the game, Triple H, the cerebral assassin. That's how you know he was prepared. And so then he tells him, so you attacked a 70-year-old man because of what you wanted. Because Batista keeps repeating, you know what I want, you know what I want, give me what I want. This will be under my terms. And to make it really short for you guys, because this is really all that went back and forth, Batista just goes back telling him, give me what I want, give me what I want. Triple H pretty much just tells him, I will not give you what you want. And Batista tells him, all I want is you at WrestleMania. And Triple H tells him, you attacked a 70-year-old man? To fight me at WrestleMania, you're on. And he's like, it'll be under your, pretty much it'll be under whatever you want, but it's going to be my stipulation. Because you know how he said it's going to be done in my terms? Triple H is like, sure, it'll be done on your terms, but it's going to be done under whatever match I choose. So he chose a no-holds-barred match. So this is going to be potentially a show-stealer at WrestleMania as well, because Batista versus Triple H, no-holds-barred. Yeah. Very, very brutal match. Guaranteed to be. And this is something that has been years in the making, guys. So, definitely it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out at WrestleMania. It's too early to give out a prediction. You guys are just going to have to wait till the week of WrestleMania to find out our predictions. I already know what I'm going with, but we won't say that until later on. Nope. Well, you guys are going to have to wait and find out. So, stay here. Stay tuned. Subscribe and become a sibling so you can get all the info. Don't miss out. Yep, definitely. All right, and Kurt Angle, he comes out, and he's going to address his future in the WWE. And this is sad because he is now a future Hall of Famer. We saw him get inducted, I believe, two years ago in Orlando. And he pretty much says that he will be wrestling his final match at WrestleMania 35. Yeah. I mean, it, it was pretty much we saw it coming. And it was a matter of time before he retired. I mean, you can see he, he struggles in the ring to move. He's not all there in, in the matches. And he did say he wanted to fight one last match in Pittsburgh where he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. So he just says thank you, and he pretty much gives him a match, and he's going to face Apollo Crews. And so the next match is Kurt Angle versus Apollo Crews. And I believe it was his hometown too, right? Yeah. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, it was very special and emotional match when he was making the announcement too. You kind of see him kind of tear up and kind of get emotional. Well, yeah, because now all the you sucks, like we said before, now it's when it's going to start to sink in, especially at Mania when he walks in and his music plays and everybody chants you suck for the last time. You know, it's obviously that's something it, that's going to get to him eventually. Yeah, because as, as when he was younger in his career, 
he didn't like when we yelled, you suck. Now he You embraced. suck. Now he knows that it was a sign of respect and a sign of love towards him. Yeah, because now he comes out and he will go like, he even starts them on his yeah. own. Yeah. So it, it, that's pretty cool. But you really have to give it to Apollo Crews here because he was put in a situation where he had no way out other than to let Kurt win. And it's not that he let him win. It was just that. Matter of respect. Exactly. It was a matter of respect. And Kurt Angle was able to beat him in this match. And he dominated the majority of the match. So my respects to Apollo Crews for doing that. You know, he didn't have to do that. He he could have been like Drew McIntyre. Who could have beaten him? And, you know, humiliated him in his hometown. Try to make an even bigger name for himself. Exactly. But he didn't. You know, he decided, you know what? This is a Hall of Famer. I have respect for him. And he let Kurt Angle win his final match in his in his hometown. All right. Let's move on to Dean Ambrose. Um, he pretty much is seen back... With the, what, long story short, Roman Reigns was supposed to wrestle Baron Corbin. And that ended up not happening because Drew McIntyre comes out and he attacks. He brutally attacks Roman Reigns. And by what I mean by brutal is he pretty much... Um, what's Claymore it called? Yeah, Claymore kicked. And then he did it again against the uh, ring post. And you were able to see... Not Roman blackout, but you were able to see that when he bumped his head the first time he landed, he hit it pretty, pretty hard. You can tell he was out of it. Like, he kind of didn't know where he was at. And so that's what caused this match to not happen. And you do get to see Seth Rollins come out, and he's like, are you okay? Like, you need to get this checked out. It's okay if you can't continue, dude. Like, don't try to continue when you can't continue. And my respects to to Seth for that, because if it wasn't for him, Roman would have potentially gone into this match, you know, not 100%. Yeah, and then obviously backstage, Dean Ambrose catches up with them and gets inferior, gets gets mad pretty much. This is his reaction. Yeah, he gets mad and he's looking for retribution. And what does he do? He finds Triple H and he tells him that he wants McIntyre. And yep. that he wants him in a no disqualification match, falls count anywhere. And Triple H was like, you got it. Yeah, he's like, hell yeah, you got it. I'm going to go tell Drew McIntyre. So he goes and tells Drew McIntyre, you already knew in the situation Dean was putting himself in. This was obviously going to be an extremely brutal match with an extremely brutal competitor. Drew McIntyre does not care about his opponents. Yeah, who you are or what your name is, he is going to go out there and just completely destroy you. And you pretty much proved it with Dean Ambrose. And a part of that is that he wants to make a name for himself. He wants to show that the shield guys do not run this business anymore he is next in line and that this is pretty much his yard now and how he has single-handedly taken out the shield by himself and if you really think about it over the last couple of months they focused and they targeted seth rollins when dean wasn't around because remember dean turned on him so they targeted seth rollins now roman comes back and they targeted him you know he pretty much took Roman Reigns out, at least momentarily, for that match. And now he proved in this match that he took out Dean Ambrose. So single-handedly, he kind of has taken down the shield. Yeah, and then Dean Ambrose was able to compete physically with Dean Ambrose for a certain amount of time. But eventually, McIntyre's strength and aggression caught up and was able to be victorious yeah, Dean, the match. Dean was physically able to compete with McIntyre. You said Dean twice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
Yeah, he was able to compete with McIntyre physically. Like you said, he gave him a brutal match. And at the end of the day, you know, Drew McIntyre became victorious. And you really have to respect Dean for this because he went out there to fight for Roman Reigns on his behalf instead of him trying to go out and prove his point, which was the intentions of Drew McIntyre. Dean, on the other hand, was fighting for his brothers. Yeah, and that was his extra motivation. Exactly, but he came down short. Yeah, so that's all we have for Raw. We'll see you guys on the next episode, which is SmackDown. So pretend like we just cut there and then welcome back. (laughs) So let's get into SmackDown Live, the A show. All right, Shane is going to address what he did to The Miz at Fastlane in his hometown. So he opens up the show, he comes out, and he pretty much says... That he was born to be the best in the world. Yeah, very cocky Shane McMahon coming out and pretty much saying that The Miz was never the best in the world. It was always... Shane McMahon, and because he is a McMahon, he basically is the best. Yeah, and keep in mind that he was also out there with the um, with the trophy he had won in the Best of the World Tournament. And he claims that he won it single-handedly. I mean, yes, technically he did, but the match was against a miss. So, I mean, interpret it however you want to, but he basically cut down to the chase very, very quickly. He is like, I will beat the Miz at WrestleMania, basically issuing a challenge. Yeah, that he was going to completely dismantle The Miz. And I mean, I really like this aggression of of Shane McMahon. Yeah, and he started mocking The Miz because he started saying, you know, and I will beat you and it's going to be awesome. So that's just mocking him and he is going to take this feud to the extent. And he also got to Mrs. Dad. He said that pretty much Mrs. Dad had a potato (laughs) face. I'm sorry, guys. That, I mean, that, that was pretty funny. I gotta give it to, to Shane McMahon, but I mean, a little disrespectful. Yeah. Oh, when the Miz comes back, he is gonna be super upset. He obviously wasn't at the show today because, I mean, he was pretty much taken out single-handedly by Shane McMahon. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this leads. Now, I can't be mad because he didn't win the Rumble and because he's not facing Brian. At Mania, he's getting a top match with pretty much his own boss, Shane McMahon. And keep in mind, this has all the potential to be a very great match. But not only that, I'm excited what this feud has to bring. I mean, something unexpected at Fastlane. Shane turned on the Miz. So I'm excited with the, everything that Shane and Miz could do in this feud and the build-up. And Shane made this personal now. So it's definitely going to be something very, very interesting. And it's going to be... One of the best feuds leading into WrestleMania. Alright, let's move on to the very first match of the night, which was Aleister Black and Ricochet with the Hardy Boys versus Rusev and Nakamura with the bar. Yeah, so, it, it was an eight-man tag. Eight-man tag team match. I was excited to see Aleister Black and Ricochet with the Hardy Boys. I was like, man, all this talent in there. It was like, wow, two very similar stars. I was like, these guys are going to destroy the ring and they're going to steal the night. Yeah, and it was a fantastic match. And that is one of the things that SmackDown is so well at, using all of their talent. One thing that really got me excited as well was having Aleister Black 
that Shinsuke Nakamura start off the match. I mean, you have two probably of the best strikers in the world, and they were just going at it. They were going ham. Their styles are extremely similar, like you said. They're two of the best strikers pretty much in the world. So at this point, I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. And you got to see how evenly matched these two were at the beginning of this match. And it's interesting because, like I said, this is what SmackDown is so good at doing. Putting every single person over in SmackDown. Yeah, and they deliver. That's the, the most important thing out of all this is that they all end up delivering. We won't get into Alistair and Ricochet as much because we've already analyzed them with the Raw ones. So let's go into the Hardy Boys. You really have to give it to Matt Hardy. He has gotten so much better. And I say that only because when he left, he wasn't physically okay. You can tell, you know, yeah. his wrestling style was getting to him and so was his age. And now he just looks so much better. He looks refreshed. He looks ready to go, and it looks like he has one last run in him. Yeah, he looks a lot fitter, and I think him being fitter has a lot to do with his him being better in the ring as of right now. Exactly, 100% agree with you on that one. Now, it's going to be interesting to see because now they're on SmackDown. Yeah, and now he comes out as the old Matt Hardy. He doesn't come out as Woken. Yeah, so he's basically Matt Hardy. He's not Woken Matt Hardy is what he's trying to say. Jeff Hardy... I feel like they didn't really let Jeff showcase much of what he does in the ring because I feel like that comes from the bar, Shinsuke and Rusev being so like, okay, we have to pick somebody and we got to isolate them. And who did they pick? Jeff Hardy. And probably because they were the biggest threat at this point. Keep in mind on this team, there was nothing but powerhouses. Uh, You have Rusev, you have the bar and Sheamus, which is powerhouses. Shinsuke Nakamura can match up with Alistair Ricochet and the Hardy Boys. Definitely. So, very interesting match. It was fantastic. Definitely one of the show stealers. And it's it's interesting to see how evenly matched all these men are. Like you said, one team was powerhouses. The other team was all pretty much high flyers and strikers and stuff. So, very interesting. I really have to give it to the bar, though, because they have gotten so much better and the reason why I say that is because they study their opponents they really get to know their opponent before they face them it's kind of like they're prepared they're like okay we have to keep every single person on the lookout so that we can be able to capitalize on them and I think they're a lot better because they learn from their mistake of underestimating the Miz and Shane McMahon yeah so now they definitely were not underestimating Ricochet and Aleister Black they went into this match prepared they were ready, and they definitely were able to get along with Rusev and Nakamura, which is good because if you're a team who is newly brought together and you can get along with the other team, that helps you out. You know what I mean? And instead of having clash of egos, they got together and they were like, you know what, let's show them why we're the better team. And they definitely proved something tonight. And then it gets very interesting because... The entire SmackDown tag team division comes out and they just start going at it. Everybody starts going ham and the New Day starts proving their point. That they are the best tag team to step foot in the SmackDown ring. And they start going ham on everybody. They clean house. They're out there to prove a point. Yeah, but also keep in mind that they go out there and they specifically target Cesaro and Sheamus. And I think it has to do because of what happened at a fast lane of them brutally beating... Kofi Kingston. Justice for Kofi is what they were looking for. Get yourself some friends. Like, 
the ones Kofi has because they have that man's back and they definitely proved it. They were like, you know what? We have to go out there and we have to show them that the New Day sticks together and that this is why the New Day is such a good tag team. Yeah, and they were pretty much standing ground. And leading up to that, they... Leading up to that, we got to see the Usos come out on the Titron and they were like, welcome to the Uso Penitentiary. So they're not afraid of any team. They're like, New Day, we see you. Hardy Boys, we see you guys. The Bar, we see you guys. They're not scared of anybody. And they specifically mentioned about the Hardy Boys because they have something in common with the Usos. The Hardys are also brothers and they pretty much target them and be like, hey, no, you, you guys are looking pretty much for a challenge. It's going to be us. And I think if they do face them, it's going to be one hell of a match. That's definitely the match I want to see at Mania, like I said on the Fastlane episode. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But I did mention that I have other plans for the Raw team and for the Raw Tag Team Division. And I have different plans for the SmackDown. And this is those plans. I want to see the Hardys go up against the Usos. That is going to be a killer match. And again, that's something that Raw does not have. Definitely. A lot of things that they have in common. Exactly. They're brothers, like you said, and we got to see the Usos say, who are the better brothers? You guys are brothers, but you guys are not us. I don't know. We'll we'll see. This has all the potential to be one of the best tag team matches we have ever seen. Let me just leave it at this. The chemistry between siblings is an unstoppable bond, so they're both both teams are siblings, so... Very, very interesting. It's going to be a crucial match if this is what they decide to go with at WrestleMania. Alright, moving on to Randy Orton, Apex Predator, Legend Killer. He comes out, and he is out there to prove a point. He says that this is not the house that AJ Styles built. That this is the house that Randy Orton built because while AJ Styles was in the indies, he was making history in the WWE by becoming the first ever, or the youngest, WWE champion, making his debut and, you know, he starts saying all the stuff that he's done in his career. Yeah, and then AJ decides to come out and confront him and be like, look, you wouldn't last a day out in the Indies. A lot of my friends in the locker room are from the Indies. And that you're pretty much made for the WWE. So a lot of harsh words were, were thrown out there for from AJ Styles. Yeah, and, you know, they go back and forth, each of them expressing why one side is better than the other. Yeah, and even mentioning that. He has a bootleg diamond cutter for those that don't know that it's the RKO. It's pretty much the RKO just renamed. Yeah. Randy renamed it after himself. Um, so they do exchange words and then AJ Styles issues the challenge to Randy Orton. He tells him, I want to face you at WrestleMania. Take your house back. Show them that this is actually your house. Face me at WrestleMania. And Randy did not give him an answer. So leading up to WrestleMania, it's going to be interesting to see what Randy decides to do because you already know, Randy does everything with strategy. He's smart. He's been in the business for so long now. He knows what he wants. He's going to wait for that crucial moment and then give AJ Styles an answer. Yeah, and he might not even give him an answer. He might just RKO him and be like, there's your answer. I will face you at WrestleMania without saying a single word. But knowing Randy Orton, he's probably going to end up facing AJ Styles and accepting the challenge. 100%. You can't underestimate that. Alright, let's go on to Asuka versus Sonya Deville. And Sonya is accompanied by none other than Mandy Rose. 
Yeah, and then keep in mind that a fast lane, Sonia Deville kind of trying to help out Mandy Rose kind of ended up screwing her over. She ended up screwing her over, and this time, Mandy got her back because Sonia was in the match. And don't get me wrong, Sonia was actually giving Asuka a pretty good match. And that's one thing I like about Sonia. She's underestimated, but when she goes out in the ring, she is good. She demonstrates she belongs. She says what she does. She puts her hair up and she squares up no matter who it is. And she has proven that time after time. Exactly. And in this case, Mandy Rose cost her the match because I believe um, Sonya slipped. Didn't fall off. She just tripped, right? Yeah, because Sonya Deville got hit by Asuka and she leaned against the ring apron and was pulled it down and that's when Sonya Deville slipped. Yeah, so Asuka able to capitalize on that coming out victorious so now it's interesting to see because Mandy is still highly upset at Sonya Deville you were able to see that after the match was over because she just left Sonya standing there and Sonya was just kind of like dude where are you going but can you really blame Mandy Rose no she got screwed out of her championship opportunity and potentially the only championship opportunity she's ever gonna get you never know with WWE yeah and I mean we're starting to see that tension between them already I mean, especially from Mandy. And what I when I tell you guys that I want to see Asuka in a high-caliber match at Mania, I really mean that. And here's why. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair keep coming back to SmackDown. They have no business left in SmackDown. As far as I'm concerned, they're challenging for the Raw Women's Championship. They should have nothing to do with SmackDown. But at this point, I see why they do it. There's no opponent for Asuka yet. And somebody has to carry the women's division. Not that Asuka can't do it. Don't get me wrong. Not that Asuka cannot do it. But you need to keep a big women's feud going on in SmackDown. Yeah, and they're bringing it into both. Into both brands. So I see that. But I just don't feel like they should be a part of SmackDown. I feel like they should be focusing on Raw, being on Raw. But also, you got to get creative. Because at this point, they're going to overpush it. And keep in mind, there's also that language barrier between Asuka She's, her English is really not that great. So that's, I think, probably another one of the reasons why they keep bringing back Charlotte and Becky. Exactly. So, very, very interesting. Becky Lynch, she comes out and she says that it feels good to finally be able to walk on her own two feet. And that she is finally going to get what she's wanted and what she's worked for and what she's earned. Her opportunity and her match at WrestleMania. Yeah, she definitely has worked hard for it. And it's not never for Becky Lynch. It's a must-win situation for her at WrestleMania now that she's added into the match. Well, whether she comes out victorious or not, like, she's going to make history. You know what I mean? And it's like, you are already going to be and have the honor to be in what's going to be the biggest women's match in WrestleMania history. Yeah, that she's going to make history, no doubt about it. But I feel that she wants to walk out of the champion. And And if she doesn't, I feel that that's going to, like, leave something in her and be like, damn, I should have walked out the champion. Exactly. Definitely agree with you on that one. And she is willing to go to the extreme to become the champion and to walk out of the first women's main event of WrestleMania champion. And she said it. I do not care who I have to beat, whether it's Charlotte or Ronda. I am walking out of WrestleMania, the Raw Women's Champion. Very confident Becky Lynch. Yeah, we'll see what, what happens at WrestleMania, I'm just excited for this feud the way they're, they're pretty much taking it. 
and Charlotte comes out again because you can't have Becky Lynch come out without Charlotte coming out. And she says, yeah, my resume speaks for itself. Yes, I was the chosen one, but the reason why I was the chosen one was because I've been carrying this women's division on her back for the last four years, not the last six months. Yeah, so she did have a point on, on that. Definitely. I mean, six months compared to four years is a long time. Not underestimating Becky Lynch in any way, but Charlotte has a big point. She has been the forefront of the women's division since she pretty much got called up since 2015, 2016, if anything. We saw that at WrestleMania 32 when she became, you know, when she became the first ever women's champion when they rebranded from Divas Championship. So it's like at this point, you can't take anything away from Charlotte Flair. She's earned her opportunities, and this match is going to be fantastic at WrestleMania. And not only that, but she always gets the job done. Exactly. And that is why Vince picked her. He knows she's going to deliver, and he knows she's going to get the job done. And by the job done means delivering and beating Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. All right, moving on to another show stealer match. Rey Mysterio and R-Truth. Versus Samoa Joe and Andrade. Yes, so very interesting team-ups, but a very interesting match as well because there was a lot going on. But I have to give it to Samoa Joe here. And here's why. He would see that Andrade is in trouble. Tag. Every single time. He thought, okay, we're going to lose. Or my partner is in trouble. Even though I, I don't... You know, they're not an actual tag team. He doesn't know Andrade like that. He's like, you know what? He's in trouble. I'm going to tag myself in. Why? Because I am the most dominant competitor in this entire match. Yeah, And not only that, but he also wanted to win the match. And he wanted to prove a point. Yeah, 100%. He did want to win the match and prove a point. But at the same time, it's like, this is why Samoa Joe is the the United States Championship right now. Because of his power and because of how smart of a competitor he is. He's extremely good and he knows his opponents like the palm of his hands. And if he knew that he had Andrade on his side, he had a huge opportunity of winning. Just because of what Andrade could offer to the match. But the only difference here is that he was going up against speed. Now, we do know Samoa Joe is... He has speed, right? And he's also a smart competitor. But you can't compare his speed to the speed of Rey Mysterio or the speed of R-Truth. And in this match, to me, I feel like R-Truth was the star of this match because he really showcased who he was. He went up against the toughest opponents, Andrade. He went up against Samoa Joe, squaring up to them, giving them a fight. Yeah, and... Samoa Joe and Andrade is pretty much a perfect pairing right because you got power and you got speed at the same time. Exactly. That's the perfect combination. You cannot go wrong with that. And Rey Mysterio, we already know, he's fantastic in the ring and he was able to prove why he is. Veteran skills came into play. He stole the win and he completely shocked Samoa Joe. Yeah, Samoa Joe was shocked and was just after the match. He just, whatever was in front of him, he took out. He was... Mad. And by mad, I mean, like, pissed off. I haven't seen him this mad in a long, long time. Yeah, he took out his frustration on poor Thar Truth and poor Andrade. Like, Andrade didn't even do anything, and he just... This now, I believe, puts Rey Mysterio first in line at a shot at the, U- at the U.S. Championship. Yeah, so we'll see if he gets his opportunity anytime soon. 100%. All right, moving on to the main event, which was Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan. It's so weird not calling him Eric Rowan. Every yeah. single time I say his name. 
Again, some pretty odd pairing. Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. But I like it. It works. You know, it it flows. They balance each other out, and that's great. That's what you need from a team. Kind of like the same thing as we mentioned some with Joe and Andrade. And there's no clash of egos in both teams either way, so that works out because you know when you have clash of egos, it goes wrong from there because you're both out to prove who is better, and in that case, you can't do that. You have to stick together. And we know that when Kevin Owens works as, as with the tag team partner and they're on the same page, he works very well with them. He definitely does. So in this occasion, you really have to give it to him because you could only imagine how upset he was that his match wasn't a singles match at Fastlane. He pretty much had to share his opportunity at the WWE Championship with Mustafa Ali. And being able to pair with him and being able to pair with him super well is something you have to give him credit for. And keep in mind that Daniel Bryan's difference maker maker was Eric Rowan. Exactly. So having Rowan by his side has definitely made a difference in Daniel Bryan and his matches. And it was key in this one. Yep, and it makes him 100% more dangerous. We got to see it in this match. Daniel Bryan and Rowan pull out the win. So whoever Daniel Bryan faces at WrestleMania, they better watch out for Eric Rowan because he is definitely going to be a key player in the match. Take out Eric Rowan or Rowan, and then you have a fair shot at Daniel Bryan. Yeah, if Rowan's there, I see whoever he faces very, very tough to beat Daniel Bryan. Yeah, so they're going to have to focus on Rowan first and then focus on the WWE champion, Daniel Bryan. Especially because Daniel Bryan has been able to stack the odds recently and has been able to survive all the matches he has been put on. Exactly, 100%. All right, Vince McMahon did not even wait for Daniel Bryan to get to the top. He interrupted, he came out, he is the chairman, he is the boss. You can't tell him anything, you can't criticize him, but... He pretty much comes out and he says he was here to give the WWE Universe and Kofi Kingston what we all want. Meaning a WWE Championship opportunity. But also, this man is smart and this is why he created such a, such a successful business. He is like, I gave Kofi the opportunity to compete. I never said he was going to get a shot at the WWE Championship. He's like, I just said he was going to get the opportunity to compete. And he did, you know, and he disappointed Vince McMahon. But you also, he put him up again in a match where he had no chance. And he also said that the match was going to be a triple threat match, which eventually it was. But he didn't say that Kofi was going to be in it. Exactly. So, so he outsmarted all of us. Exactly. And he did say, when I say something, listen, because I say it for a reason. And then the New Day decides to interrupt, and they come out, and they're like, we never complain. We're a tag team of three, and Kofi Kingston has been in this business for 11 years, and he's never complained. He's missed birthdays, he's missed all these events, weddings, and all this stuff to be in this business. They flew halfway across the country to India for Vince McMahon, and Kofi Kingston cannot even get one opportunity at the WWE Championship. Yeah, I could imagine how Kofi Kingston felt putting in all those years and pretty much not you know not being valued if that's what you want to call it exactly and he makes some really good points he's like i have beaten champions who have been champions and pinned them fair and square and never got the opportunity and it's true because if you go back and you look like he's never gotten an opportunity up until now and vince makes it very clear to him that he's not good enough he doesn't say it with those exact words but he implies it and that just makes him 
you know, how do you think Kofi feels? Because it's like, wow, I've given so many years yeah, to this he, business. He pretty much told him that he doesn't believe in him. Exactly, which is what he said to Finn Balor. And we got to see Finn Balor, a new Finn Balor, motivated, focused, out to prove a point. Um, but I do have to make something very, very clear here. Vince made a very important point. He said he was talking backstage with WWE champion Daniel Bryan, and he said he is a B-plus player, meaning Kofi Kingston is a B-plus player. Before that, I was telling Armando that I could see Vince being a troll, if you can put it that way, with Kofi, simply because I told him, okay, I think what he's going to do is he's going to have the same night at Mania. If you can beat them, you'll be added into the championship match. But in this occasion, he played it out super well because he's not going to make it a triple threat at uh, Mania. At least it doesn't look like it is. I feel like he's going to get his singles match like we wanted it. But he is going to put him in a gauntlet match next week on SmackDown Live. And if Kofi Kingston can beat Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, both members of the bar, and I believe the last competitor was... Randy Orton? You already said Randy. Yeah, so it was Randy, it was the bar, the two competitors of the bar, Samoa Joe, and then Rowan. Was the, was the other person. Rowan, if he can beat them all in a gauntlet match, he is going to WrestleMania. Pretty tough gauntlet match he has ahead of him. But I feel like Vince put him in this match because he did so well on the first gauntlet match. We got to see him, which is what boosted Kofi Kingston to this point. And I feel like if you can prove me wrong, if you can do it again and you just didn't get lucky, fine, I'll give you your match at WrestleMania. And I think he's going to prove him wrong. He definitely is. You know, Kofi's going to go into this more motivated, fired up. He wants this super badly. All he wants is an opportunity. I can guarantee you, Kofi can go into Mania, get his opportunity, and come out not victorious. And he would still be super grateful for the opportunity because all he wants is a chance. And he's finally going to get it if he can go through these five men. Yeah, he got his work cut out for him. Exactly. So that's all I have for you guys on this episode. Armando, is there anything you want to add? Nope. Alright. Remember to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Become a sibling today. Leave your comments below. Let us know what you guys think. Let everybody know that Wrestling with Siblings is here. Become a sibling today, like I said. Um, leave us some comments. Let us know what you guys want to see. Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us. We always respond to you guys. And for those of you that do not know what WWS stands for, Armando, what does WWS stand for? Wrestling with Siblings. Thank you guys so much. Join us next week on a brand new episode of Wrestling with Siblings.